ora and welcome to 15 Minute Futures, the podcast with a Kiwi twist, where we're exploring the future, but in bite size. And today we're talking about a technology that people are predicting will enable brain cloud interfaces connecting all human brains together. It's also going to be allowing, they're telling us, the ability to regenerate our organs at lightning speed and create nano robots that fight diseases at the cellular level, revolutionizing healthcare. Yes, we're talking about nanotechnology. So Rob, are you ready to zoom into this weird and wonderful world? Well, Steve, I'm definitely keen to go seriously small. But if you believe Elon Musk, nanotechnology is just a buzzword and therefore means nothing at all. But in fact, I found it does have a meaningful definition. The manipulation of atoms, molecules, or molecular clusters, so-called nanoparticles, into structures to create materials and devices with new or vastly different properties. Wow, that sounds pretty technical. But for it to be considered nano, it's got to be a specific size, doesn't it? On the money, Steve, for something to be considered a proper nanoparticle, it has to be less than 100 nanometers or around a billionth of a meter. To put that in perspective, a nanometer is about 800,000 times smaller than a human hair. So that's the same thing like if I've got really thick hair or thin hair? Well, yes. Well, it turns out that materials which are that small often act in super weird ways. And sometimes that's a good thing because it's these quantum properties that mean you can do new, weird and wonderful things with them. But also, it's sometimes a bad thing. For example, nanoparticle dust can be really toxic if you inhale it because it can go virtually anywhere in your body. Good example of this, one study found that the use of nanoscale zinc oxide and titanium dioxide nanoparticles used in sunscreens can lead to actual DNA damage in skin cells. Jeez, that sounds terrifying. Yeah, but we also need to distinguish here between so-called free nanoparticles, i.e. ones that move around the place, and fixed nanoparticles, which are much less dangerous. And of course, as you mentioned at the beginning of the show, there are many new and exciting and useful purposes for free nanoparticles too. For example, things that actually allow technology to cross the blood-brain barrier. How about we discuss some of these? Yeah, totally. For example, I've been reading about how doctors are now using nanoparticles to better target drug delivery. Also, we're seeing nanotech use to develop chemotherapy treatments where they're having the chemotherapy drugs, but they're precisely directing them to treat cancer cells while avoiding healthy tissue. Yeah, now that's a really exciting application. Another example I came across was Houston-based nanospectra biosciences, which has been using a new therapy using a combination of gold nanoshells and lasers to actually destroy cancer tumors with heat without actually affecting other healthy cells. Also, just as exciting, another startup I found called Kernel, which recently got $100 million to use nanotechnology to create an implant for the part of the brain that stores memory. And the aim here is to help restore the memory of people who lose it with age and help people with Alzheimer's and other memory disorders. So um, partly this is about detecting disease and catching it early. For example, one specialized system I saw was called NanoNose. This is a nanotechnology sensor, which is trained to actually detect patterns in the breath that could be indicators of disease. How weird is this? So while I understand it's kind of experimental, um, what's amazing about it is that it seems to be able to actually detect quite early in the life cycle, Crohn's disease, multiple sclerosis, prostate cancer, and even lung cancer. So what we're seeing is the ability to detect cancers and all these other diseases in ways that we never could before. And I understand there are these other things called nanotweezers, which can actually probe inside the cancer cells and begin to understand them and fix them 
better than we ever could before. That's that's really exciting, and that sounds like really compelling use cases for nanotech. But it's not just limited to healthcare, is it, Steve? No, no, that's right. So one of the amazing things that I've seen uh, nanotechnology being used for is clothing. Um, actually, I recently purchased what I love to call my nano pants. These are not very small pants. That would be weird. Um, no, rather they're, they're they're pants that have kind of water repelling features due to nanoparticles being put on the top of them. So they kind of just never absorb water. And I love them because in a place like Wellington, you get to walk all over the city and never actually arrive wet. And I understand they're using the same kind of uh, technology to now create nano shirts, uh, which resist water and stains. Who doesn't love nano pants? <laughs> and finally, I can get a shirt where I can eat spaghetti fear free. About time too. That's right, my friend. It's not just about liberating you from your paralyzing fear of spaghetti juices. It's also about completing new products. For example, imagine being able to actually just turn your plate sideways after you're finished eating and for any remaining food and sources to just slide off. What's incredible is that researchers at the Royal Institute of Technology in Stockholm have already invented nanoplates that actually do that. And recently, I understand Nissan, the car company, have managed to show off their self-cleaning car because they've covered it in nano paint, which never gets dirty. Well, I hate doing dishes and washing the car often sucks. So I think that'd be great. And what's incredible, of course, is if you can turn it into a paint and suddenly everything you paint has those properties, it's got all these other uses, you know, so we're looking at nano sprays, you can put on glasses, windows, mirrors, ski goggles, and none of them fog up anymore. How great would that be getting up each morning and never having a foggy mirror? Another one is the spray that they use to put on car windows. And it means that they actually stay cool on even the hottest day by blocking out certain rays of the sun. It's pretty amazing. I, I think so. And let's break this down. I mean, developing suntan lotion that uses that very same nanotechnology to reflect sunlight and stop you burning, but also thinking about a spray you could put on your carpet uh, so you don't have to worry about red wine stains anymore. But these are just consumer product applications. What else have we got? Okay. So wine loving aside, one of the other amazing uses is renewable fuels. What we're seeing as these nanomaterials and nanostructured surfaces being used to create advanced energy storage and conversion projects. So what they actually do is they make uh, things more energy efficient. So if you're thinking about, hey, LED lights are everywhere now and solar panels are everywhere and suddenly they're cheap. This is why, because they've been able to create new components that are hugely more efficient than they ever were in the past. And obviously the benefit of all of this is it gets cheaper and then of course it goes everywhere and you're moving away from fossil fuels to renewables much more quickly. That, and that's great. And on the very important subject of saving the planet, a few weeks ago, we talked about the revolution we're seeing around biotechnology and we explored how as humans we're changing the fundamental nature of living organisms and even upgrading ourselves and plants. It turns out that one of the big ways researchers are able to edit the DNA of plants is to use nanoparticles, and in particular, carbon nanotubes, to insert DNA through the cell walls of plants. This is enabling our scientists to make things grow faster, more productively, and be even more resilient to disease. Okay, so I know not everybody's going to be hugely thrilled to hear that, because obviously you've got the whole GMO uh, anti-lobby and everything, but if you think about it, more productive and disease-resistant plants are sure going to be handy as we strive to feed those extra 2 billion humans coming onto the planet by 2050. Huh, Rob? Yeah, great point, Steve. 
Nanotechnology is going to be one of these huge enabling technologies which is driving the broader revolution in our ability to change the very nature of life itself. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. And while it's small, it seems to be going everywhere all at once, doesn't it? That's right. But of course, no summary about nanotechnology would be complete without talking about the ability to make really small electronic parts. That's part of the huge tech revolution that's going ahead by allowing us to develop computers that are getting smaller and even more powerful. But aren't there kind of physical limits to how small we can go with computers, Rob? Yeah, that's that's true. Uh, and that's on the basis that we do it the way we've always done it so far. For example, using materials like silicon to actually code onto. But researchers are now looking at how to shift to other mediums for storing data. For example, the very material of the universe itself, atoms. One estimate I heard of is if we succeed, we'll be able to fit one billion iPhones worth of data onto something the size of a sugar cube. That is a, a lot of storage capacity. Wow. That's all pretty incredible, but it does lead me to one big question. Hit me with a big question, Steve. Well, where is it all? If there's all of this happening, how come there isn't more of a fuss? And why don't things feel much different from before? Well, for a start, obviously the big point of nanotech is it's so small that you can't see or feel it, or at least for now. It's very easy to fly under the radar. Also, a lot of nanotechnology is still in the R&D stage, so it's going to take some time before it ends up in a sort of mass consumer applications or consumer markets. Also, much of nanotechnology seems to be an input into or, or feature in the development of new technologies rather than being a discrete technology in itself. Right. So I guess we're going to hear about it more through other issues like positive things like medical breakthroughs or negative things like sudden concerns that we're getting nanotech in all of our food. But like this is a new and burgeoning industry. We're not imagining this. Absolutely. And let's just chuck some numbers in here. Um, nanotechnology is growing. In 2017, there were more than 20,000 patents for new applications of nanotech. Also, the market for nanotechnologies reached what has been estimated around $7.24 billion, and it's been predicted to grow by another $24 billion by 2025. That's, that's quite a lot, isn't it? Like, that's a, that's a big growth. Absolutely. So on the assumption that nanotechnology keeps spreading, do you see this as a good or a bad thing? Well, like most technologies, I guess, humans are going to use it for either, aren't they? Um, but to date, certainly the ones we seem to have dug into seem to be positive. I mean, why wouldn't you want to fight diseases, you know, much more effectively? Why wouldn't you want to speed up the shift to renewable energy? And if you really dig deep and think about what really matters, doesn't everyone have the right to eat spaghetti bolognese with impunity? Well, yes, that gets my vote. But I think we shouldn't underestimate some of the potential health implications of the structures we're creating. I understand that the cosmetics industry uses a lot of nanotech and, and companies like L'Oreal are investing somewhere around $600 million into nanopatents. And not everyone is confident about the safety that has been wrapped around these new materials that are going onto and into our bodies. I suspect government might have to step up its level of oversight and regulation uh, in the future just to ensure safety. And I'm not sure all governments are thinking enough about the emerging risks associated with nanoparticles getting into our food chain. Yeah, you might be right there. I mean, I know New Zealand's environmental agencies are thinking about this, but it's not just about the environment, is it? Like, there are a whole lot of other risks that 
I'm sure the public doesn't really know about nanotechnology. And these are things like privacy. For example, when you've got miniature sensors available everywhere and you can't even detect them with the naked eye, what is that going to do to our privacy? Or when you've got nanomachines that actually self-replicate, they call this the grey goo conundrum, how are you going to control these machines that replicate? It's kind of scary. And if you're a company that's spending billions of dollars developing new kinds of nanotechnology, how do you avoid other companies just coming in and simply stealing your IP? These are all really big issues, I think, and we probably need more of a public conversation about what these actual risks are and, of course, the opportunities before we find these nanoparticles in every single part of our lives and our environment. So, Rob, I think we have a question for our listeners, don't we? Yeah, we sure do, Steve. And that question is, what do you find the most exciting or worrying application of nanotechnology? Have your say on our website, 15minutefutures.org, or our LinkedIn group or Facebook pages of the same name. So that's our 15 minutes up for today. We'd just like to finish by thanking our sponsors, anticipate.co.nz, the company that helps you look ahead, plan ahead, and get ahead, and Springload for digital products that catapult your business to the next level. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Hey, good night.